Well, thank you all for being here. I, I kind of wondered how many people would show up at our, our first service this morning, but there's a lot of you here, and it's very encouraging to see you here. Um, Happy New Year to all of you. I love this time of year. I think January is my favorite month in the church, and believe it or not, it is typically just about the highest attendance month of the church. Many people think December would be the high attendance mark in a church, and Christmas Eve certainly is a high mark. But in terms of people coming back into church, uh, well, let's put it this way. Churches go right along with gyms and fitness centers. And January is the highest month of the year, whether you're a fitness center or YMCA, the highest membership month of the year. Um, nothing else comes close. And we see an influx of uh, new people here in January. If you're new, you're very welcome here. We're glad you're here. And a lot of you are regulars here, and it's good to see you, of course. Grateful that you're here. But the reason I love this time of year so much is there is a spiritual hunger. Um, just as people are eager to start exercising and dieting, there's also a hunger to seek God. And I think as a church, we have an opportunity there to help people forward in their growth. That's one thing I love about this month. There seems to be a renewed hunger and thirst for the knowledge of God. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, so there are a couple of things I want to mention to you right up front to have, that have to do with that desire for spiritual growth. The first is our upcoming taste of community. If you're not involved in a small group or a journey group and would like to know more about that, this is the best opportunity for that. Wednesday night, January 18th, you can register online for this a way just to get exposed to small group opportunities. And then further, our upcoming Discover Rock class. This is where we talk about our vision, values, mission, ministry, and it's the pathway to membership. If you want to explore membership at River Oaks, that's held on Sunday mornings during this service, beginning the first weekend in February. We also ask that you would uh, sign up online for that. Other important items that are coming up, you can see in your bulletin, a lot of things kick off, get started in January, and we're just really, really excited about that. I'm also excited about what we're going to study this month in our services. We're beginning a new series today called God Created Prayer, and we're going to look at the early chapters of the Bible. It's interesting that at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, you don't see the word pray or the word prayer emerging right away. What we do see, however, is people in communication with God. Adam and Eve communicated with God in the Garden of Eden. The scripture says that the Lord himself walked in the garden in the cool of the day. God spoke with Adam and Eve. They spoke with him. God enjoyed communion, fellowship with Adam and Eve. In Genesis 5, we read of a man named Enoch. We're told very little about Enoch, rather, uh, except for the fact that he was the father of Methuselah, the one who lived to be 969 years old. But we're told that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The New Testament tells us that Enoch was commended as having pleased God in his walking with God. 
And the New Testament goes on to explain that without such faith, it's impossible to please God. So apparently he was a, a, a man of faith. He pleased God. He walked with God. The next chapter of Genesis, we read that Noah walked with God. Noah was a righteous man, certainly relative to others in his generation, and he walked with God. I love the way scripture uses this terminology of walking with God because it, it implies more than just talking with God. It implies communion. It implies fellowship. If you're looking for a goal for your, this, for your life this year, 2023, I can't think of a better goal than having a, a closer walk with God, walking with God through daily life, enjoying his companionship, his fellowship, his communion, communication with him. And then we get to Genesis chapter 12. This uh, introduces us to a very, very important Old Testament person, a man called Abram. His name would later be changed by God to Abraham. I believe Abraham is the first person uh, regarding whom the word pray or prayer is used in the Old Testament. Abraham is especially important because God makes a promise to Abraham. It's a promise of offspring or seed descendants. And God tells him that ultimately through his descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But when God makes the promise to Abraham, it seems like an impossibility because Abraham and his wife were old beyond the age of being able to have children. But God said it would be, and Abraham believed him. And you see the verse on the screen from Genesis 15 verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, this is a critically, critically important verse in the Bible. James, later in the New Testament, would say that that verse gives us an example of saving faith, the nature of real saving faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Abraham then becomes kind of a a type or a model of faith that is ultimately seen in those who believe in Jesus. Listen very carefully to these words written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 4. Paul writes, but the words it was counted to him, referring to Abraham, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You hear what Paul's saying? Just as the way Abraham believed God's promise in the coming offspring, ultimately resulting in the coming of Christ. And Abraham's faith was credited to him or counted to him as righteousness. So as believers, when we put faith in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection for us, it is credited to us, it is counted to us as righteousness. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Abraham is critically important. He becomes this example, this model of faith for us as 
believers. Abraham believed God's promise and was counted righteous. So we believe the gospel and we're counted righteous. Abraham was chosen by God. In Christ, we are chosen by God. Abraham was even called a friend of God. And through faith in Jesus being brought into the, that relationship with Christ, the same could be said of us. But God does more with Abraham. He's certainly communicating with Abraham, and he's allowing Abraham to communicate with him. And in Abraham, we see the great importance of a person who walks with God interceding for others. By intercede, I'm talking about praying. I'm standing, talking about standing before God, praying on behalf of other people. As the account of Abraham continues to unfold in the book of Genesis, something remarkable happens in Genesis chapter 18. Earlier, when Abraham and his nephew Lot had journeyed toward the, the land at God's call, they were, they were both prosperous, their flocks were growing, they were outgrowing the land, and so they had to separate. And Abraham says to Lot, uh, you take the direction you want to go, and I'll take the other. There's no need for our herdsmen to feud with one another. So Lot sees this valley where the land of Sodom is. It's well watered. It looks good to his eye, and he chooses that, and he goes there. So Abraham goes the other way. But the scripture tells us regarding Lot's choice that the men of Sodom were wicked, sinners against the Lord, and were they ever. If you read Genesis chapter 19, when God sends his two angels into Sodom to destroy it, and you see what happens when they go, you see a picture of the most utter depravity imaginable amongst all the men of Sodom, young and old, every one of them. So God decided he's going to destroy Sodom. But God knows that Abraham has family there, his nephew Lot. So we pick up in Genesis 18, and we see this. God approaches Abraham, and with the Lord, two angels. They, they appear as human beings. They appear as three people coming to Abraham. And by the way, angels can appear that way. The New Testament tells us that we should always be open to hospitality because many in showing hospitality have entertained angels unaware. And we see that God wants to include people in his plans, people who are in relationship with him, people like Abraham. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have chosen him. Abraham was chosen by God. And I'll say it again, if you are in Christ, you likewise are chosen by God. The Bible uses that language for you. I've chosen him to command his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. God is letting Abraham in on his plans. And again, God had chosen Abraham, but if you're in Christ, the Bible says you're part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Abraham was called to walk with God. If you're in Christ, 
you've been called to walk with God. Abraham was counted as righteous because of his faith. And if you're in Christ, you have been counted righteous because of your faith. Despite our many sins. Just like Abraham. And Abraham now was called to intercede to pray. Just as you and I are called to intercede and pray. And we see next that God uses our prayers in the unfolding of his plans. We continue to read in Genesis 18. So the men turned from there. And by the way, the men we learn in chapter 19 are two angels. God himself doesn't go down to, into Sodom. He stays and talks with Abraham. The two angels go into Sodom. <coughs> Excuse me. The men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. And now Abraham, who has believed God, who has family down in Sodom, who knows God is on his way to destroy Sodom, begins to intercede, begins to pray. And he says, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fares the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Wow. I think Abraham's speaking pretty boldly with the Lord. If you ask me, that's a pretty bold thing to say to God. But God's not getting angry. The Lord says, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. And Abraham continues, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 are lacking. In other words, suppose there's only 45 people there who are not wicked and depraved and ungodly and are, are turning toward God. Will you destroy it for lack of five? God said, I'll not destroy it if I find 45 there. He said, suppose 40 are found there. He said, for the sake of 40, I won't do it. And then he says, oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak. Suppose 30 are found there. Abraham's getting very tentative now. He's saying, God, don't get mad. I'll ask you. But God's not getting mad. The Lord doesn't seem to be the least bit angry. He said, I won't do it if I find 30 there. Abraham says, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He says, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again just this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And again, the Lord's not getting angry. For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. And when he had finished speaking to Abraham, Abraham returned to his place. Abraham interceding, standing before God. Well, how many of you think Abraham stopped too soon? It seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it seems that way. It seems that Abraham's intercessory prayer was inadequate to save Lot and his family because there were not 10 righteous people in Sodom. And the angels went on into Sodom. And what they encountered was, uh, if you read chapter 19, I won't uh, describe it, but uh, incredible depravity every man, <coughs> young and old, in Sodom. And so it was destroyed. But here's what I want to note. Here's what I want to stress. God's grace 
covers our inadequacies in prayer. Sodom was destroyed in chapter 19. But here's what we read at the end of chapter 19. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And, and he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Notice the words, God remembered Abraham. God remembered Abraham. Abraham's prayer was less than perfect because Abraham was less than perfect. Our prayers will be less than perfect because we are less than perfect. But God calls us to intercessory prayer that is praying for others and God meets us in our inadequacies by his grace because he gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to pray so that our prayers are effective even though we are inadequate. The Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest person of prayer and the greatest teacher of prayer in the Bible, apart from Christ, said not that we are adequate in ourselves to think anything of our, as of ourselves. Our adequacy or our sufficiency is from God. And he said this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Now that's the Apostle Paul. Of all people, to say we don't know what to pray for as we ought, I can hardly believe the Apostle Paul would say that. I can believe I would say it. We'd say it, but not the Apostle Paul. But he gives a solution. But the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God's grace covers our prayer inadequacies by the provision of the Holy Spirit who meets us and enables us to pray as we cannot in and of ourselves pray. And he makes our prayers effective. God helps us with prayer. He helps us become people who pray. And he wants us, like Abraham, to stand before him and intercede for people who cannot intercede for themselves and intercede for our nation that is in dire need. This is what believers are to do. This is what believers are called to do. And those who do this, like Abraham, like Moses, like Daniel, like Nehemiah, like Hannah, they enjoy a special fellowship and communion with God as people who pray. There are different kinds of prayer in Scripture. There are prayers of thanksgiving and praise. There are prayers of confession of sin and repentance. There are prayers that are simple requests for guidance for wisdom, for provision, asking God for daily bread. And there's also intercessory prayer. 
We see a lot of that in the scripture. I think this is how we can understand intercessory prayer. God has chosen to use the prayers of those who walk with him, people like Abraham, to work in the lives of those who do not walk with him. God's chosen to use those of us who know him to pray for his work in the lives of those who don't know him, those in our families, those in our workplaces, those in our neighborhoods, those who will stand before him saying, God, I'm interceding, I'm asking you to do a work in her life, in his life, to open his understanding, to bring him to salvation, to touch her with your healing power, to bring her out of darkness into light, to free him from addiction and to break the chains of bondage. Lord, I'm standing before you and I'm standing before you in the name of Jesus to ask this. Abraham was far from perfect. He was chosen by God. He was counted righteous. He was called a friend of God, but he had many, many weaknesses. It becomes evident right after the verses we've been studying at the beginning of Genesis chapter 20. And despite his weaknesses, God continued to use him as an intercessor. Here's one example at the beginning of chapter 20 in Genesis. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. This is actually the second time Abraham had done this. He did this when he went into Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. Apparently, Sarah was strikingly beautiful, even in her old age. And Abraham was afraid for himself that in Egypt, they'd kill him to take his wife. And he makes a mistake once, and here he makes it again before this king Abimelech. And the king did what kings do. He saw this beautiful woman, and he, he learned she was Abraham's sister, and he took her into his own home. Hard to believe. This man of faith does such a cowardly, deceitful thing. Well, God stands up for Sarah, even though Abraham didn't, <laughs> and speaks to Abimelech in a dream. And here's what God says to Abimelech in Genesis 20, verse 3. Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman you've taken, for she is a man's wife. <laughs> what a dream. And Abimelech speaks back, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Didn't he say to me, she's my sister? Here's what God says. Yes, I kept you from sinning against me, therefore I did not let you touch her. Now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you will surely die, you and all who are yours. God had already afflicted Abimelech and his household because they had taken Abraham's wife into his home. God's standing up for Abraham, the intercessor. He's standing up for Sarah. But here's what I want you to note. Abraham, in all of his weakness, God says this to Abimelech. 
he will pray for you. Return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you will live. Why was it necessary for Abraham to pray? Why didn't he say, just return his wife and you'll be healed? We read in verse 17, then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and he healed them, healed them, healed the, the household. Why was the step necessary of Abraham praying? I don't know for sure. Other than the fact that God has chosen to use the prayers of those who walk with him to work in the lives of those who don't walk with him. And if you are a believer in Jesus, and I see many of you here because many of you I've known for a long time and I know you love the Lord. This is your privilege. You walk with him and you have the privilege of interceding before him for those who don't walk with him. And God meets us in our inadequacies and he uses our prayers to do his will. This is the way God has chosen to work. And again, in intercessory prayer, God has chosen to use the prayers of those who walk with him to work in the lives of those who don't. We'll see this over and over in scripture. We'll see it next week with Moses. In fact, we'll see it a number, happening a number of times with Moses, the great man of intercessory prayer. But here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Are you making yourself available to the Lord as an intercessor? If not you, who is doing the intercessory prayer for your family, your relatives, your coworkers, your neighbors? If not us, who's, who's praying for this nation in which we live? God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Are you making yourself available to God as an intercessor? No intercessor is perfect. There has never been one except the Lord Jesus. He who today represents us before God in the book of Hebrews says he ever lives to make intercession for us. And so as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper today and to honor Jesus as he told us to, I want to raise a couple questions by way of personal application. And the first one is this, how can I grow as a person of prayer? Every one of us here who knows the Lord, I believe, would like to grow as a person of prayer. How can we do that? I, I hope and I pray and I dream that 2023 will be a special year for our church here at River Oaks. That God will raise the level of prayer. It's necessary for one, if we're to fulfill our 2025 vision, because that vision requires a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit than we have yet seen. And I think that'll only happen as God raises the level of prayer. It starts with us as individuals, praying in our own time alone with God. But if you're married, it absolutely includes your marriage. 
I pray this is a year when husbands and wives who are not praying together will start praying together every day and starting your day in prayer with one another. If you've got kids, I pray this is a year when you don't just say a prayer at mealtime or bedtime, but you take five minutes or so to teach your children how to pray by leading them, by praying for them, by showing them what it's like to pray. I pray you'll do more prayer in groups with other people. Maybe there's even somebody where you work where you can pray from time to time together for the people with whom you work. May the Lord raise the level of prayer in our church, in our homes. One of the things we're doing this year to try to help with that is a little daily uh, podcast teaching. In 2020, we, we, we did a, tried a little podcast after much preparation and a trial run in 2018, I think, and 19. We went through the book of Psalms, and to my surprise, people stuck with it uh, more than I expected throughout the year. So we're going to try this in 2023, starting tomorrow morning. Four and a half minutes a day, little teachings in which we'll go through every prayer, every reference to prayer, every teaching about prayer, the Lord willing, in the Bible. Uh, sometimes it's hard to know whether a passage is somebody praying. Maybe all they say is, here I am, Lord. You can't teach for five minutes on that necessarily. But every teaching about prayer. So starting with Jesus in the New Testament, the most foundational teaching on prayer, uh, there are, I think there are 90 teachings already recorded on the New Testament. And then we start in the Old Testament, go through people like Abraham and Moses and Hannah and some unusual ones like Gideon in the book of Judges and Jephthah. And we'll look at all the prayers of the Bible and the teachings about prayer to really... Uh, support our church in growing to another level, not just in our knowledge about prayer, but our practice of prayer. And these start tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Thanks to Brett Canode and the work, the preparations that he has done. So if you'd like to participate, whatever you use for podcast, your podcast app, it's available on all the various ones. Just make sure that you, you're set up to follow this, building a life of prayer. And uh, if you did our psalm starter, you probably already set up for that if you have the same phone or device. Um, <clears throat> but just make sure your notifications are on in your settings and you'll get that tomorrow morning. So we hope that'll help. Secondly, has God placed someone in my life in need of intercessory prayer? There's somebody in your family, somebody struggling with an addiction, somebody who's not walking with God, somebody who's far from God somebody in your sphere of influence, your workplace, your neighborhood that needs the Lord. I'll tell you from experience, I think praying for people like that can, can be a long-term project. Uh, many people I know have prayed for family members. I have as well for decades. But God will honor your prayer for them. And please, please, please join me in praying for our nation. I'm really concerned about our nation, where our nation is. Um, I think of Jesus' words that a house divided against itself cannot stand, but has an end. And um, we as the people of God have the privilege of being intercessors for our nation. Father, we pray now, search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there be any evil way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Amen.